Welcome to Our International Story, a podcast about international students. In this show, we will know more about struggles, achievements, and journey of inspiring international students from their home country to living and studying overseas. I'm your host, Freya, and this podcast also portrays my journey as an international student. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Our International Story. Our guest for today is Ritika Saxena. Ritika wears many hats. She's a researcher, social entrepreneur, Master of Cancer Science student, and a strong advocate of women in STEM. I've personally known Ritika for the past four years, and she's ever so inspiring person and a go-getter in every possible way. She's currently studying for Master of Cancer Sciences at the University of Melbourne and working as a researcher at Murdoch Children's Research Institute, with keen interest in medical research and molecular biology. She has been awarded several awards throughout her student life and continue to excel in her career with her study life spanning across many countries, including India, America, China, and Australia. Recently, Ritika has started a social enterprise called Floral Restrict and already supporting more than 10 students throughout her initiative. Welcome to the show, Ritika. Thanks, Shreya. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be able to join on in this episode and look forward to our conversation. Thank you. So for our listeners, can you tell a little bit about your journey from India to Australia? Oh my God. Okay. So looking back at my journey, it all happened really, really quickly. So when I was in school, I did not plan on moving overseas at all. It wasn't even a consideration. And I remember when I got the grades for my year 12 board, I was really pleasantly surprised with how well I did. Um, And I decided to explore what scholarship options I could get from the score that I had. And I think it was 96.25 in ISC. And given that I was preparing for medicine back home, um, I really wasn't expecting to do well in boards because my target was getting into undergrad medicine in India. So anyway, from the day I got the board result to two months later, I was already physically in the country. I'm not sure how everything happened. Believe you me, I came with a bag of wet clothes because I just really wasn't prepared to leave the country. But yeah, that was my journey. It was quick and unexpected and just very, very sudden. Wow, that's incredible. Like two months time span. So what happened when you decided to not pursue your medical degree? Like what considerations were you having and what was going on in your mind at that point in time? Sure, that's a really valid question. Because, you know, in India, I think I just grew up with the one possibility that I like biology and that if you like biology, my parents are doctors, you should be a doctor. And I did not know of alternative careers. This was until I took biotechnology in class 11 and 12 as an elective subject, which I initially did just for fun. And I got into learning more about stem cells and the potential that they have in terms of treatments for human diseases. And while I got my board results and I was contemplating my next move, I really wanted to do this curious 17-year-old Ritika justice. And I knew I had to give my stem cell career a shot. 
everybody in India who does biology wants to be a doctor, but not many want to be stem cell scientists. So when I got my 50% scholarship, the Vice Chancellor's Academic Meritorious Scholarship at Deakin, I knew it was my calling. And so it took 60 days and three days to get a plane ticket and I was here. Wow. Thanks for sharing that journey. And as you mentioned that not everyone wants to be STEM biologist or it, or some women don't want to pursue a career in STEM as well due to certain constraints. So can you talk a little bit more about that? And what's your take on women pursuing STEM courses? And what's your advice for anyone wanting to pursue a career in this down the track? So I think to start answering that question, I shared my story about why I studied science, because I like biology, my parents were doctors, and I thought that was the only pathway. What people don't realize is that outside of those typical pathways, there are many other opportunities that you can use to explore what you like to study, which may end up in an alternate career. And about women in STEM or anybody wanting to do what they're passionate about, I guess it's a step-by-step journey. So as humans, at least I can speak for myself, I used to look at my future life in just like one big chunk that I'm going to study this, this will lead to this, and I will become a doctor. That's just one single pathway. And if I start at biology, I will end up being a doctor. But we realize that that is not true. At several points in your life, you are allowed to make choices. You are allowed to choose the subjects in school. You're allowed to choose the um, entrance exams or the fields that you want to do your undergrad and after you finish school. You're allowed to choose your postgraduate degree and you're allowed to choose the field of work that you want to do. And I think it is nobody's business but your own choice, which tells you which field you should go for. So at every point when you're allowed to make a choice, think about what's attracting you, where is your interest and what it might lead to in the future and evaluate those choices independently. I think we're really afraid of making the wrong choice at any given path. And we are so concerned about that that we forget the right choice is the only one that we're making. So if you want to do STEM, as a woman, as a person, or as anybody who has an interest in science, technology, engineering, maths, or medicine, I would say just go for it. Make that choice one at a time. That is such a powerful statement. And I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to it and get inspired by what you said, that the choice is in your own hands in terms of what you want to pursue down the track and make those informed decisions. 100%. Talking about alternate career, in addition to what you're doing in STEM, you are also a social entrepreneur, which is very exciting. And quite recently, you have launched a social enterprise called Floral Restrict and already supporting more than 10 international students and raised more than $9,500. So can you tell a little bit about your initiative, Ritika? I find it funny talking about floral restrict because it actually was an idea that I didn't think would work. I just had a very random thought, came up with the name of making floral masks in increasing restrictions, hence the name floral restrict, and just decided to give it a shot. 
I'm really proud of how far it has come along. But yeah, it was just a very random idea backed by my passion and the drive to do something. And it ended up in a social enterprise. Wow, that is so fantastic. And I always wondered what floral restrict actually meant. I did get the floral bit, but never thought about this unique concept behind this. It's really not that creative at all. Like I said, it's it's just a very, very random combination of words, thoughts, ideas. But it happened, you know, as an active volunteer in the international student community or as someone who's always wanted to help other people or drive a change in the community, this lockdown and isolation was really getting to me. We weren't allowed to go outside. We weren't allowed to do the things that you normally do to find find fulfillment, find purpose. And, you know, make your time on this planet worth it. And hence, you know, I was thinking, what can I do? A little step that will alleviate this problem and I can still contribute to improving the current community that we have. And hence why I set up Floral Restrict. Like I said, not as creative, but powerful. It's powerful because we've raised $9,500 that otherwise would not be fed into the community. Yep. 100%. So can you share a little bit about your journey from the time you started? Because it doesn't feel like a long time ago. And I have followed your journey from day one up until now. And in that process, what were some of the challenges that you faced? And also, what were some of the positives that came out of it? So pretty much your journey in a gist. Sure. So this is a very complex question, but I'll try my best to summarize it. I guess my journey could be divided into phases. The first one was setting up before you actually launched a project. And I must be honest, I wasn't set up when we launched. I had an idea. I was crazy enough to launch it. And I thought to myself that I'm going to figure out as we go. I was lucky because I put the word out and people chose to support me. Both a couple of generous donors, friends who supported my mission, and also other students who found value in the initiative that I was setting in and wanted to help out, not knowing how much we would be able to raise or how much of financial support they would be able to get out of it. They still chose to give this a shot. And I'm very, very grateful for this initial support. Once the campaign was set up and the initiative was launched, which was pretty much a few days after having this initial idea, it was all about learning as you go. I study science. I haven't done any formal business, marketing, accounting, but um, I really had to learn all of that on the go. You know, <laughs> it's a bit of a running joke that I'm the CEO, the head of design, the head of production, the head of packaging, the head of supply chain, everything, because that's what happens when you get an opportunity for yourself. Nobody's going to be out there telling you, hey, I need you to do this. Can you learn to be this? Um, That is something that you are responsible for as your own growth. And if you are willing to take those chances and to learn, I think opportunities will always present in that way. Yeah. And you said that you are responsible for your own growth, which really resonated with me. So how can other international students create such opportunities for themselves? From my experience, I think the best way to get started is make use of the resources available around you, whether it's at university, whether it is online websites, whether it is student support initiatives across Melbourne and Victoria, such as City of Melbourne or Study Melbourne by the state government. 
there are so many free opportunities. Instead of thinking about this is what I want to do and here's what I need, think about this is what I have available. What can I do with it? You know, people are willing to offer help, know when to accept it and know how you can do that justice. I think when I was new, I had this mentality where I wanted to do everything on my own and I didn't want help because asking for help had a negative connotation attached to it. You know, it made you feel like you are maybe a little bit worthless if you're asking for help. You're not capable enough. You're not confident enough. But that changed drastically when I realized that without help, I can do this much. And with other people's help, I can do so much more. So it's about the end goal. If you want to do more, take the help that is offered to you. And there's so much help around. I cannot stress that enough. So you not just created opportunity for yourself through Fraud Restrict, but also 10 other international students, which is incredible. So how did you get other students to come on board in your project? Sure. And, you know, it again goes back to the question that are you willing to be responsible for your own learning and are you willing to take a chance? For me, I just put the word out on social media. When I first started, I was looking for two people, including myself. That was a team of three. And now we have a team of 10 where we support eight people in paid capacities. And two of our team members are volunteers who are either overseas or are just helping me out because they really, really support the mission. But for all the students who joined on board, I didn't go to anybody offering a job or offering an opportunity. I simply put the message out, but they were proactive in identifying an opportunity that could lead to something. And they reached out to me. We got along and I said, welcome on board. Let's see what we can do for you. And that's how we ended up with a successful team of 10. So you put out the word out there on Instagram and Facebook and people connected with you. And then you had a short, you had a small team of a couple of people to begin with. And it started expanding along the way as the word got out there and more and more people started knowing about the idea and purchasing the face coverings. So how did the process look like of marketing and creating awareness about the project, especially during these times when there were a lot of people doing face coverings and making masks anyway? So what did you do to stand out? I think from a personal perspective or a personal take on this idea of a social enterprise, I think when people see opportunity, they think about making money. That's just human nature and human I guess, tendency to look out for themselves. For me personally, I've never been like that. I've always thought about my community first. So when I identified the need that we need face coverings, I looked at how can we make this as useful for the community as possible? Part one was getting vulnerable students to make these who could be supported by offering employment to them. And part two was actually using the profits that we generated to give it back to the community. So technically, we are supporting students in two ways and supporting the broader community through all our profits. And I think when people thought about the story, they looked at the passion and they looked at the purpose of this project and they wanted to support our story. The fact that they got a beautiful face covering for free with them was like cherry on top. But I would definitely say that I have the support of people because they resonate with the passion. They want to do something for the community. And when you think that 
just buying one face covering can actually support both international students and Victorian community, I think it's different from an organization that's selling them just for profit. Yep. For sure. And for all the listeners who are interested in buying a face covering that not just is beautiful, but also supports other international students and people in need, you can look up Floral District on shuffed.org and also on Instagram and Facebook and get in touch with the amazing team behind Floral District and get one organized for you throughout Australia. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Shreya. And yeah, we're we're really looking forward to expanding as well. Great. So talking about expansion, so what's in store for Floral Restrict for the next months? What's coming up? So as I shared with you, people supported our story and people supported my campaign because they wanted to do their bit to change the world in little ways that they can. One of them being by purchasing a floral face covering. But the problem that I have run into or the challenge that I'm facing now is that I've run out of the people I know and the team knows who we can share the story with. So for our next stage of Floral Restrict is thinking about sustainability, is thinking about how do we send this message out to people who don't know us, who have nothing to do with us, yet they trust our intentions. So we're looking at applying for grants And also expansion to me personally means supporting more students. So the more orders we get, the more number of people we can support and the more amount of profits we can generate to feed back into into the community. So it's all about maximizing our impact over the next few months. No, that is a fair point. And as I mentioned before, that uh, please support restrict in their plans for supporting more international students and make your contribution to this project, which is a very beautiful, wonderful concept. All right. So Ritika, what's your one advice that you would like to give to current international students who are currently stuck in COVID, which is not an ideal situation, but what's one positive thing that you would like to say to them and also for anyone who is considering to come to Australia next year or in the next couple of months? I think my biggest or the most important advice that I can give to you is don't be afraid to take chances. You know there are two reasons why we end up in a situation. Either we choose to be in that situation or somehow something happened and we landed in that situation without our will. But either way, you are where you are now. How do you justify or do justice to the opportunities, to that situation is in your hand. So complain as much as you want about the situation that you have been in due to COVID or, you know, for whatever X, Y, Z reasons, but also try your best to do with justice. Take every opportunity that you can and don't be afraid to take chances. What do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Right. And well said. And you took a chance with Floral Restrict in addition to your other commitments. And you're bearing the fruit of your hard work by also supporting other students and creating this beautiful movement around yourself. All righty. Ritika, I find you very inspiring as a friend, as someone who I can talk to. And also, I, I know that a lot of other students also find you inspiring. But I have to ask this question, who inspires you and why? I think when I think of inspiration, 
it might be very, very small, but I think of all the women around me who are doing so much more for the community, for other women. I think we've grown up with a certain mindset about women should be behaving a certain way, should be doing certain things, and a longer list of should not be doing certain things. And I see so many other women in my everyday life who are fighting patriarchy. One little action, one little habit, one little restriction at a time. And I am so, so inspired by them. There is a quote by Ruby Cord that resonates really deeply and really personally with me. And it says, I stand on the sacrifices of a million women before me thinking what can I do to make this mountain taller so the women after me can see further. And that is something that I personally strive towards in my personal life, in my professional life. That is who I want to be. Appreciate and respect the sacrifices of the women in my family, my friends, the women I work with for paving a way that allows me to do what I do. And I hope that my contribution to this world can pave the way for women after me to do so much more. Thank you for sharing your thoughts of inspiration. And thanks for joining us for the podcast today, Ritika. It has been pleasure chatting to you. It's been my absolute pleasure, Shreya, and I am so grateful for this opportunity to be able to talk about my journey so far. I have so much more to do, but in sharing what I've done up until now, I hope that at least there's one other person out there who feels that they can also do so much more. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you.